Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... My attitude is that I refuse to live in fear. I've had a stroke, I've got a brain injury, uh, whatever you want to label it, right? I'm actually fine with that now because I'm a more content, settled human being. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. This is indeed your weekly dose of running motivation. I'm Jake Lowe. I'm the host. I'm a running coach. I am currently sat by a microphone wearing a pair of headphones underneath a duvet. This is not my idea. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. We're ready to fire you up. This is indeed the podcast with a with, with a difference. It's a podcast with a difference, and I'm sweating my ass off. Yes, it is slightly different, isn't it? Because you're under what a tog a tog six duvet. Is it a tog six? Is it a tog? I, well, I, I think it's six. I the, the one that I got <laughs> from the bedside drawer, I thought was six, but now I've actually got it over my head and the camera and the microphone and the desk. It's basically everywhere. I think it might be a little bit higher than that. It's definitely. I'm not saying it's a full-on winter tog, but it's probably more autumn. Either way, I'm perspiring. Definitely more than I was during the long run at the weekend. You know, we'll, we'll, crack, we'll crack on. Um, first of all, I think word of apology, because obviously we didn't do a podcast last week. Uh, we are on episode 88. Uh, we did miss out a week, which means that on episode 87, when we said we'll be back next week for your um, weekly dose of running motivation, that was a little bit of a lie, uh, because there was a miscalculation in Jake moving house and internet connection and all that kind of stuff, and just all of the stress that's involved in moving house and you'd like moved in on the Tuesday which is the day that we record the podcast and we were there ready to do it and your head was about to explode I think it's fair to say you I mean it really really was I think you're absolutely bang on you know and and also regular listeners to the show will know that we do keep things very very real on the show very real like you know warts and all heart and sleeve stuff and it was genuinely just... I think it was too ambitious last week. And I, it, it really bothered me, actually, Pete. I mean, you know this when we, mm. we spoke, because I was actually ready and set up to record. I was in the cupboard. I, was, I, I didn't have a duvet over my head, which we will explain in a moment, by the way. But I was in the cupboard, sort of trying to set everything up. I had my microphone attached to a stand that was on the top of a series of running shoe boxes just to try and record the show because of the internet signal and, and, and all these things. And it was you that made the call. You said, look, I, I think we don't do the show today. And I was like, well, we can't. We've never missed an episode. I know. Each week. We've never missed an episode. And it, it, yeah, it bothered me, man. It really, it still, it still bothered me a little bit now, if I'm really honest. Don't worry about it because, you know, uh, uh, and this is, this is the thing. It, people understand the situation. And like you say, we do wear our hearts on our sleeve on this show and it is about motivating people and making people feel positive and that's what the show's about and at the end of the day when you really really stressed yourself to the point where your head's about to explode can you honestly sit there and motivate people to be better and happier and and all that kind of stuff that's a tricky one well, we had this chat didn't we afterwards when we when we decided you convinced me that it was okay to not record the show and we were chatting for quite some time afterwards and we connected it to running, both of us. And we were saying how, you know, you said, I remember you said to me, Pete, what would you advise your runners if they're taking on too much, spinning too many plates? What advice would you give to them? And I said, I'd tell them to put some of those plates back in the cupboard and just be a little bit kind to themselves, bit of self-care, 
take a moment just to reflect, look at the big picture, you know, put things in perspective. And it's very easy to have the advice inside you to give to other people. We're all experts in that way, in that way to support others. But to take that advice yourself is not always so easy. And it, it definitely took you to just say to me, look, it's okay, don't worry too much, because it was too much. And, and also, something yeah. else that I want to mention, because it is heavily connected to running, because when we're training for lofty goals, as many of us are, whether that's a half marathon, a marathon, whatever it is, it's very easy to think when we first sign up, oh, this is going to be fine. This is the target time I want to achieve. I'm going to be able to run three times a week or four times a week or five times a week. But then guess what happens? Life. Life happens. Things that you did not expect happen. So, for example, we were not moving to Winchester when we signed up for the Manchester Marathon. You know, Martina was not starting my girlfriend a new job so all these things you have to adapt and that's why i believe that training should be fluid and you have to respond to i guess the curveballs that life throws you and it doesn't necessarily mean they're bad things i mean we love winchester we've only been here what just over a week i think like 10 days now so we absolutely love winchester martina's really excited about the new job she's you know new into that so it doesn't mean that the things and plates that we spin are necessarily bad, but if there's too much, we just have to kind of stop. Otherwise things can just, it can be catastrophic and that's not what we want, of course. We want balance. We want to enjoy a running. Absolutely. That's what it's about. You want to enjoy running and we want to enjoy sitting here and doing the podcast for you as well. And a lot of people got in touch and some of them were the Patreon people who do give us every uh, money every month to do the show for you. And obviously there's that feeling of, oh no, let them down. But do you know what? Like, like we've said, we we haven't let anyone down. Not doing the show last week was the best thing. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you went away for however long it was, two months, three months, I lost track. Uh, rather than ducking out and not doing the show while you were on holiday, uh, we brought you a show every week and you were doing the show from the beach and sometimes <laughs> under really tricky uh, recording circumstances. But last week, the recording circumstances were tricky. The internet was tricky. Just life was tricky. And let's be honest, we may have missed last week, but my gosh, are we making up for it today. We've got a cracking guest. And not only that, forget the guest, we're recording the show and I'm under a duvet. I mean, if that's not special, (laughs) I have no idea what is. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. We're good to go. I'm just going to poke my head out of my little den and just see, yeah, we're recording. That's good. That's good. We're all okay. We're all okay. You do, you do need to ex- you, you do need to explain for me what the hell is going on here, Jake. Look, I ought to point out before we get into the thick of it and have a good catch up about what you've been up to. Um, th- there is a reason that I am underneath a duvet as we speak on the phone here. Um, on Zoom, and I just want to put this out there now. It's neither my fault nor my idea. I'm blaming Pete, the producer of the show. It is all his doing, nothing to do with me. I'm convinced it's just to make me look stupid. Basically, Andy, um, Jake lives in some kind of a, a manor house of some description with the tallest, highest ceilings in the world, and if he takes the duvet off, what you'd do is you'd hear him go... I mean, this is this pretty much exactly like it would be. He'd go, running with Jake! Jake, 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 That's how echo it is. It's unbelievable. Uh, apart from sweating my ass, off i am i will be honest with both of you now there's something i quite like about it i feel it feels a bit like a den (laughs) 
It feels a bit like a den. I feel like I'm back, eight years old. Andy, I'm really into, uh, I'm really up for chatting to you today. But if I do disappear off for a short while, it's just because the pirates are attacking. But I will be back. <laughs> I will be back. Listen, it's great to chat to you, first and foremost. We we caught up, well, it's been a while since we caught up. I think it's almost a year ago now since we last spoke. Back in December, actually. Yeah, it was December last wow. year. Where does time go? And at that time, you were just kind of coming out the back end of your recovery, weren't you, from the cryptogenic stroke? And and you were starting to think about events and things. I know what you experienced, the stroke changed your relationship with with fitness and goals and events, which I want to pick pick up on again today and ask you about that. But what have you been up to recently? Something pretty epic, I understand. So since my stroke, which was, my goodness, four years ago now, I'm now on to my 12th ultra trail marathon, third of this year, but I've just finished doing the Hard Moors 55, which worried my wife because she said, you cannot run more than 30 miles. And I snuck it up to 35 and I snuck it up to 50. And then I snuck this one up to 55. But yeah, I, I ran Hardmore's 55 with a really good old friend of mine uh, and it was probably the weirdest 55 miles and challenging 55 miles I've ever ran. It was an absolute roller coaster and it was a real test for me because I just have this attitude I'm going to finish everything but four hours of convincing myself how to justify a DNF is mental torture. <laughs> but I did it which is good. I mean, that's seriously impressive. And there's so much I want to ask you about. You know, you mentioned there about convincing yourself. And and, and, and there is almost this kind of... People like yourself, and take this as it's meant, Andy, and I think I'm right in saying this from speaking to you last time, very driven, very focused. I'm sure that filters out, into, floods out into other areas of your life. But where training and events and exercise are, are concerned, there's very much a no-guts no, no glory attitude for people that are so driven. It's like, I will finish at all costs. This is going to happen. And if somebody, be that your wife or friends or club buddies, say you can't do that, all that does is just stoke the fire. At what point did you think to yourself in that event, which is 55 miles, and it's not an easy 55 miles for those people listening that don't know about it. This is like 2,000 metres of ascent. This is intense. At what point did you think, this is a tough day at the office here? I'm not sure if I'm going to complete this. So we set off and I was with, so position it. I ran most of the West Highland Way with Gary earlier in the year. So he, he did the West Highland Way Challenge race. I joined him for 53 miles of that and we ran through the night. So I kind of knew I could run 53 miles. So me and Gary decided to do the Hardmoors 55. He's done the 110, he's done the 80, he's done, he's done his 1,000 Hardmoors miles. And we thought, right, okay, let's give this a try. And we set off and I felt absolutely grand. Fueled right, trained right, felt good. Did the old OCD packing out there, checking of the pack and, you know, everything's in its place. I felt mentally great. <laughs> we probably set off a little bit nippy and I thought, oh, this is, this is quite a pace. And you get up on top of the moors and I was kind of clinging on and, but then the rain came in. And I started thinking, I'm not feeling too fresh about this, but you know what, I'll just, I'll just trudge along behind Gary, try and keep up. And we got to the first feed station and it was torrential rain and I just felt a bit groggy. So, um, you know, you're dripping, you're actually soaked through and I thought, this is, this is quite a tough day at the office, but I'll keep on going. And... I've, t- I've chatted to Gary about this since the Hardmost 55 and he says, look, I'm going to crack on because I'm shivering. 
And there was part of me that thought, oh my God, I'm by myself. What am I going to do? And part of me that thought, thank goodness for that, I can slow down. So I left checkpoint one and it went up onto the top of the moors and literally you couldn't see 20 yards in front of you. The mist came down and I didn't know where I was going because it's a self-navigating course, the hard moors 55. You, you kind of, you know, you're told to take a map, get the GPX and crack on because we're not marking the course or there's very few places marked. So the only reason I found where I was going is because I could see this this figure in the distance and I thought, right, I'm just going to have to crack on through this. And I rang my wife, Nick, as I always do, and I rang her and it was about three hours in at this point and I went, Nick, I'm not sure I can do this. Which was quite a surprise for my own mental um, positioning because I never, I never really do that. I always ring her and say, can I do this? Yeah, you can, crack on. She just doesn't expect to get a call from me to go... I'm not sure I can do this. And I, she says, what's wrong? Stomach, feet, attitude. I says, I think I want a DNF. She's like, Ray, are you, are you, are you sure? No, I'm not. I'm not going to DNF. Am I? Yes, I'm going to DNF. No, I'm not going to DNF. And the old stroke, good boy, bad boy came and the guy was saying, you can do this. And this guy was going, not a chance. You're not going to run 55 mile. So I kind of just trudged on. And I remember taking a picture of my watch at four hours 20 and it was 23 miles and I felt okay, but it was four hours of absolute mental torture about can you, can't you, will you, won't you? And I thought if I can get to halfway, this is done and dusted because I've only got a marathon left to do, <laughs> which, in self, which in itself is insane. And as I walked up to checkpoint two, a guy went, number um, whatever was, I think it was 181, your mate's waiting at checkpoint two. Gary, that's his name, isn't it? And again, part of me thought, oh, thank goodness, Gary's going to run with me. And another part of me thought, oh, my God, he's going to absolutely beast me because I'm going to have to try and keep up with him. And there he was with a big smile on his face sitting at checkpoint two going, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I am, actually. He says, right, get some food into you. So we sat and, you know, I had my Muller rice and my energy drink. He says, right, we're going to run together. He said, I only made 10 minutes on you. In that nine mile, I only made 10 minutes on you. So I thought, oh, right, I, I can't be running that slow then. So off we went across the three, the three sisters. And it's as if somebody had put a rocket up both of our backsides. We just trotted along the three sisters as if we're just doing a 10K. And I was like, this is brilliant. Until, of course, you hit that dip again. We stayed together for the rest of it. There's a funny story towards the end, which I'll come on to. And we ran the remainder of the Hardenworth 55 and came in to Helmsley, bang on the 14 hours. And we managed to get to the finish and cross the line in 14.07. But the first four hours, horrific. The next three hours, the best three hours trail running I've done in my life. And then it was just an emotional roller coaster. Bonk, fine, bonk, fine, eat, can't eat. Till we crossed the finish line and thought, oh, I've just run 55 mile. That's quite cool, actually. I would do it again in a flash. Funny, isn't it? When you're sat there now, obviously comfortable, what looks like your office there, I can see the medals hanging up to the right of you. Fantastic. And you're no longer in that pain. When you're out of that situation, you can then reflect, take the pain away and go, do you know, I think, I 
think I might do that again. It's the classic, isn't it? People signing up for these marathons and halfway through, I'm never doing this again until two you days know later. One thing that motivated me, Jake. There was a when Gary was running ahead of me, he was speaking to, to a girl that was going to get a thousand Hardmore miles. And she just went, apparently she went, oh, who are you running with? Oh, I'm running with uh, my, my mate Andy, you know. Um, and they started chatting about podcasts. And they were talking about the Running With Jake podcast. And she went, I heard him on the last one. Yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? And, I'm, and when Gary told me that, I'm like, right, there's no chance I'm not going to finish this. <laughs> I'm kind of famous today. Somebody knows me from a podcast. <laughs> I think we'll take total credit for you finishing the race, Andy. I mean, I think we need to do that. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, you so-and-so. She went, oh, good to meet you, blah blah I had a bit of a chat and I thought, oh, I've got to finish this now. There's no way I'm going to do it. It was brilliant. <laughs> what a great example there, Andy, of the emotional roller coaster, as you said, the, the, that those highs and lows, peaks and troughs that I think everybody goes through in a particular goal that's a challenge to them. You know, if that goal is really quite... Uh, lofty, if their physical level of ability, let's say, and, and mental strength and resilience as well, if there's a void between, you know, what their what their ambition is and their target and where they currently sit, and the sort of, oh, am I going to do this? And it's all those emotions. Do I stop? Do I, you know? And you, it's like that doomsday thinking as well. I don't know if you found this in during the event where one thought leads to another thought, to another thought, to another thought. And listening to you as you were talking there, I thought to myself, my gosh. It's so draining as well. You know, when your mind's active and you're constantly thinking and making decisions, I mean, it's like that in life anyway, isn't it, Andy? Let's face it, work or whatever. But particularly when you're under physical duress as well, to then have your mind almost in overdrive, were you able to silence it at all? Did you have any kind of mental space, as it were, where you could just focus on being in the moment? I did, and that came towards the end, but... It's a funny one because there's because it because I've had a stroke. There's a massive confidence and conflict of confidence that always goes on in my mind. If, if you strip it right back, running 55 miles for anybody is huge. So the, the the positive part of my mind goes, this is massive. But there's always a battle that I that I fight. You know whether whether it be at work or, or anything. It's like yeah, but can you? Yeah, but are you capable of? And I'm quite tuned in to be able to go, yes, absolutely. But when you're in the middle of the North Yorkshire moors, it's raining, you can't eat, you know you've got 20 miles to go, it would affect anybody. But the voice, for me, gets really quite loud and I really struggle with that. I really struggle. But I'm very, very good at this if I've been through what I've been through, I can run another marathon, so stop whining, get on with it, which can be quite dangerous and destructive because on the, on the West Highland Way, I ran through horrific blisters. Now, it took me uh, six weeks to get rid of those feet problems because I ran through it. At all costs, I ran through it to finish, which mm. is quite bad because when I was trying to silence the voice it, that was saying, find a way to DNF, I was trying to think, right, if I'm sitting at home tomorrow having a coffee and I've DNF'd, how will I process that? And that's something I can't do. That, to me, mm. is more mentally destructive than having to deal with running 55 miles. I'd rather, I'd rather deal with the mental challenge of running 55 miles than having to process something that I didn't do that I knew I could. 
I don't know how... I, I can't answer how I would deal with that, Jake. I don't know. That's really interesting that the whole um, mindset of you having survived this stroke, I mean, there's that... It can work two ways, can't it? And I guess it does with you from what you've just said there. As in, you know, it can limit you in the way that it limits your beliefs because you go, oh, I had a stroke, so I shouldn't be able to do this. But then, at the same time, it's like, stuff it. I survived a stroke, of course. If I can survive this, I can survive anything. So, and, and, and that sounds like it's a real positive but like you just clarified there with the blisters and everything maybe it sometimes pushes you a little bit too far so i guess it's a balancing act isn't it it's like which voice do i listen to and when do i take that on board and how does and and with everything there has to be a limit where you go actually you know i've got too many blisters here i i I, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to take a rest or whatever it's a really hard one to come to terms with that i think it's something i've learned to do pete to be honest um and this is the real difficult one because people say what you know what mindset do you need to have to run a marathon and a ultra marathon i can't actually put my finger on it because i think you've i think everybody's got an ultra marathon in them i really do if you can run a half you can probably run a marathon if you can run a marathon you can probably run an ultra because you could walk it or jog it or trot it. And I don't think these things are physical. They're more mental. I, I kind of talked about the, towards the end of the run, which wasn't physical, it was mental. So from 40 to 50 miles, we ran. And Gary kept saying, I can't believe we're running at 40 miles. He says, not many people have the capacity. And you know when you find that groove and you talk, Jake, about, did you find, uh, I found something and it's as if that voice just kind of crumbled away in this... Um, sounds quite weird, but you, you, you kind of find a place that you've never been to before. And from 40 to 50 miles, we ran. So we ran the flats, we ran the downhills, we walked the uphills, but then we started running the uphills. And then we kept running and Gary kept saying we've just we've just done a two mile stint of running there at 47 miles I'm like oh grand right okay I'll have half a cheese sandwich and we'll crack on and then suddenly we're in Helmsley and we're like oh my god we've just been running for nearly 40 to 50 miles and that you know the next morning we were talking about it and he said I was pushing you he said I thought you were going to tell me to sod off I says well I actually was in my mind but when you ran I ran because I thought, if you can run, I can run. So it's quite a weird one. You find this place and suddenly all the negativity kind of just, it kind of washes away. It sounds quite deep and like what you're talking about, but you kind of find a groove in what you're doing. And it's really hard to explain, to be honest. That's the special place that you found, isn't it, Andy? You say it gets quite deep, and, and I guess it does in some respects. You know, you talk about the groove. Some people may refer to it as in the zone or in a state of flow where everything just feels, you know, I use the word effortless, but, but obviously there is effort there. But it just kind of, it, you're in sync, physical and mental, and you're just going through a, a, a period where actually it's, it, it's, it's almost harmonious, it's enjoyable. And I always say to people, you know, I guess as a coach as well, Andy, and I tell myself, you know, I have the conversations that you have with yourself, I have the conversations that every runner has with themselves, can I do this, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I often say to myself and my runners, know that emotions will pass and feelings will pass, and that can work both ways. So if you are having a really challenging time, this could be in a block of training, by the way, in a week, or it could be in an event like Hardmore's, know that that feeling, it will pass. I mean, you touched on this. Can I, can I deal with this kind of short-term disappointment or short-term pain, rather, 
or would I trade that for long-term disappointment, which is, you know, afterwards, oh, I should have, I could have, ah, when you sat there with your feet up and a cup of tea in the warmth, you know. So it's it's a constant juggling act and balancing act. And I just want to give things a little bit perspective here, Andy, because you, I want to pick up on something you said earlier about 55 miles is, is challenging. Of course it is. But then if you can run a marathon, you can run, you know, an ultra marathon. And I agree with these things. A lot of it is mindset, as we've spoken about. But just to give this some perspective, I was looking earlier at the, I'm going to have to come out of my little den for a second. I was looking at the risk assessment for Hardmore's 55, right? Now, this just proves that not all events are equal. 55 miles or not, it's a long way, but Hardmore's 55 peak, get this. So it talks about the risks obviously associated. Participants will be running over rough, uneven ground and could trip. Participants may suffer hypothermia. Participants and members of the public could collide. Participants could come into contact with aggressive livestock. Participants Crikey. could be hit by traffic. I mean, the list goes on. What, did you read that before you signed up for it? <laughs> no, not one bit of it. I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> well, Jake's, Jake's a big fan of a risk assessment. It must be said. Oh, I am now. I am now. That's yeah, but there sure. are stories, because you've got to cross a few fields with the cows, and there have been some um, incidents with cows chasing people. So I'm glad I never read that, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's why I, if I'm going to do an off-road run and hit the trails, I always take my girlfriend Martina with me, who's a vet, and I just kind of shove her. Sorry, I don't shove her. I usher her gently, casually, <laughs> lovingly forward to go and, I don't know, talk to the animals kind of thing. It doesn't always work, to be fair. We end up doing a U-turn. But you, you have got to keep yourself safe out there. Talking of safety, Andy, I mean, obviously, when we first spoke, what put us in contact was your story of the stroke uh, back in the day and obviously coming out the other side of that and, and the challenge, the new challenge you'd set yourself with your relationship with running. Do you ever have a fear that this could happen again? Does that ever enter your head? You know, we talk about pushing ourselves in events and in training, by the way, not just sort of stuff like the hard moves, but when, you, when you're out there training hard, does it ever concern you? Does it hold you back or have you just boxed it off now? I think I've boxed it off and I've, I've, I've made peace with what's happened, right? So... My attitude is that I refuse to live in fear. I've had a stroke. I've got a brain injury. Uh, whatever you want to label it, right? I'm actually fine with that now because I've said this before. I'm a, I'm a more content, settled human being. I'm on tablets and I'm under the care of the NHS for the rest of my life. I'm fine with that. I am more likely not to have one than have one. But if I do have one, I can't do a damn thing about it because I am not doing, and this is what people don't understand, because I used to be this guy that pushed things to the max before the stroke. I, it might seem stupid when I say I run 50 miles, I'm not pushing it to the max, but trust me, I don't because I do it with a different agenda. Am I fearful? No. I would hate for it to happen, but when I'm training, when I'm running, I'm, I'm doing it differently. And if I need to walk, I will walk. If I need to stop, I'll stop. Where previously, if I had a heart palpitation, I'd push through that. Oh, just ignore that. Keep on going. Where I get heart palpitations now, and I'm due to go back to hospital soon for a number of things. Tinnitus, heart palpitations, all kinds of stuff. It's just what happens to a stroke survivor. So when I get one, oh, hang on a minute. Give me five minutes. See what happens. Am I okay? Right, let's crack on. Do I push myself? Yes. Do I push myself to the extreme? No. And again, I say it again, it might sound stupid when you're running 53 mile down the West Highland Way 
or doing an ultra marathon, I'm doing it with a different agenda. And I'm not at the sharp end of anything. I'm fine with that. I'm at the blunt end of most stuff. But do you know what? It gives me, I've said this before, it's all about the journey and adventure. So it's with a completely different mindset. And if it happens, Jake, I can't do a damn thing about it. How do you set your goals, Andy? So, you know, for example, after Hardmores, where do you go from here? What motivates you? Do you compare yourself to other people, whoever that might be? Do you do you think about, well, I wonder if I can finish in the top whatever percent it may be? Are you conscious of time? Is it just completion? Or do you just know yourself so well that actually you want to choose something that is achievable but challenging for you? Both. I've proved myself over my ultramarathons. I finished mid-pack, which is really quite good. What I like to do is choose something that isn't a guarantee, will test me physically, give me memories that I'll never, ever, ever forget and be a real challenge. So so what am I looking at next? Um, and bearing in mind, I've got to be fair to myself and Nicola, my wife, I've, I've kind of promised that 50 is the max. She will go ballistic if I booked something more than 50. I've already sneaked it up. You know, I'd love to think I could do a 60, 70, 80, but you know what? I can't. Can't you just tell her that you took a wrong turn? Just tell her you took a wrong turn. <laughs> I went left at the tree. Last year, I entered the lap and I kind of said it was about 35 mile until my mate posted on Facebook, good luck, Andy, in the 47 mile lap ultramarathon. I get a text off my wife going, oh yeah, thought it was 35 mile. So, <laughs> so I've kind of promised that that's my limit. So what can I do round about that distance? So things like next year, the, the, the Lake Sky Ultramarathon, um, it interests me because it's got 4,000 metres of vertical climbing it. I love climbing. Um, the St Cuthbert's Ultra, 45 miler, through my old stomping ground, that kind of stuff interests me. But what I'm veering towards now is more personal challenges, like some of the rounds, the Abraham's Tea round. I, I just like stuff that... I come back from and I'm absolutely buzzing. And my wife knows when I've had a good run because I come back and I don't stop talking about it. And bless her, she gets hammered with running chat. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, 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 that sounds great. <laughs> so, so lucky to have a partner that supports what you do. Although we'll give you certain parameters, perhaps just to hold you back here and there. That's, that's really really impressive and and it's needed isn't it when you're doing things like what you're doing yes it is because i've still got something in me that might push me beyond so there's still that little old andy because i'm not a completely different person i'm still andy i'm just wired a bit differently now so i'll give you an example i'm back out with the bike club a little bit and i just sit in one of the lower pace groups and i'm happy with that but i found myself in the fast group a few weeks ago and i managed six miles before i got blown out the back of the group but as i was riding i was thinking what are you doing this is not why you ride a bike and i got really excited i got caught up in it jumped into race pace bleeding from the eyeballs couldn't even speak i thought hang on a minute andy this this is the old andy trying to prove something who you're trying to prove and what to. So I just stepped back, dropped down some groups and had a great day. Because again, I've got to be conscious that I've got nothing to prove to anybody. But there's still that little devil that sometimes speaks up and goes, who are you doing this for again? Well, it's for me. Nobody else, it's for, it's for me. What a massive takeaway that is for you, 
for yourself. Mm. You've got nothing to prove to anybody. And I think many people listening to the show may well feel that they have got something to prove, be that consciously or subconsciously to whoever, their friends on Strava or their family or, you know, their, their buddies that run at work. And the reality is, I've always said this, I don't think people generally care. They care about you. They want you to achieve your goals. They want to support you, but they don't really care what that results in. I think they're just happy for you. It's about you and what sits with you inside and what memory you're going to create. You talk about adventure running and signing up for these things, things that are special for you, your old stomping ground and whatnot. That's what matters, isn't it, at the core of it. Andy, just a quick one regarding your wife. I'm really interested in this. You said that you promised Nick, I'm not going to run, you know, further than a certain distance and not going to push too much. Is Nick's concern there with the actual, the the distance in the race or is it the training that that takes? I think it's the intensity. So she she believes and I think, you know, I might be coming round to this, that what possibly had a contributing factor to the stroke is the intensity of everything I was doing. So I didn't just run, I ran, I went on the turbo, I did time trials, I mountain biked, I, I did everything to a... Uh, uh, an extreme level for my, for my capability I'm not saying you know just for me it was quite mm. intense so what she's probably scared of and with good reason is that I potentially push myself too far people need to understand that yes I run big distances but on my agenda absolutely on my agenda so what I think Nick's scared of is if the old Andy gets a bit of a voice and push and push and prove and prove. That's what she's scared of. And ultimately, Jake, what she's scared of, and quite rightly so, is me having another stroke. I mean, again, I don't want to go all over all ground, but it's it's horrific. Mm. I, I can't put into words how horrific a stroke is. I can't explain it, right? So I won't even try. We touched a lot on that on the last episode. If you do want to hear it, it's episode 51. It really is worth listening to. It really is an excellent episode. So Andy, obviously you're very conscious of the fact that old Andy is there and old Andy could cause complications for new Andy. And so is Nick. And that's really healthy. That's really great. One thing that interest me I guess really is obviously you're sitting on the outside now and then you can look back at old Andy um what what used to drive old Andy what was it I mean Jake listed some of the things that drive people whether it's you know what friends think on Strava or whatever what drove Andy to beat the hell out of Andy a lot of that it was it was this search for likes this search for who aren't you great at what you do um, actually quite an unhealthy relationship if I, if I analyse it now and think about what the old Andy was chasing um, proving that I could do this where now I kind of just want to prove it to myself that there is this self-worth thing after a stroke and it's quite a deep-seated feeling that I've, I've spent hours in counselling about it about the value you have to the world and yourself and your wife being a a, 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 a a brain damaged person. That's what I am. Again, I'm totally cool with that. So now it's about kind of proving it to myself. And this is where the whole DNF thing comes in. Why don't I DNF? Because there's nothing wrong with it. There's no such word as failure. Absolutely no such word as failure. It's okay to DNF. It's all just part of the journey. But I just prefer not to because I believe in myself that I can, and that goes for anything. So there's no need for me to DNF unless I break my leg. 
because that's a valid reason. If I break my arm, my leg, whatever, or if I have a really tur- a bad turn, I'll DNF. But unless that happens, there's no real reason to, because do you know what? I'll just walk. Yeah, the, the, the old Andy chased this unhealthy, give me praise, I can prove to you that I can. If somebody said they couldn't, well, I'll prove to you that I can. Where now it's, I've got a really lovely relationship with health, not fitness, health. I don't keep fit, I keep healthy. Part of keeping healthy is the whole fitness thing. But it's completely different. It's definitely worth making that distinction, Andy, and I really appreciate you mentioning that during this chat because I think there's many people that get that a little bit wrong, perhaps. And we often say this, Martina and I, we've recently moved house to this very echoey building under the duvet here. And, you know, we've had a lot going on. My girlfriend started a new job, just normal life stuff that everybody goes through. And we say, well, we want to we want to push in the Manchester Marathon, which we have coming up, like many people training, you know, just under five weeks to go now. But training to achieve a time or a position or really push yourself or achieve close to 100% of what you're capable of is very different for running for wellness and for health. There's no way, Andy, I would go out and run two and a half hours, two hours 45 at the weekend. I just wouldn't do it. If I wasn't training for a marathon, I'd go out and I might run 90 minutes because that would be good for my health. I enjoy being out for that length of time. I'd still feel like I've justified a beer in the evening. I'd be looking after myself. You know, all that that endorphin release, all that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't feel exhausted. I wouldn't feel that I come back. And I mean, I was just wiped on, as I'm sure you can relate to and people listen to this, after big, tough sessions. You just, you know, good for anything. So it's really good to hear where you are with your training and your exercise and your health and your mindset. I really appreciate you sharing that. Sometimes people need to take a step back from times and distances and targets and go, right, why do I run? What 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 does running, I've said this before, what does running give me? How does it make me feel? Because if, if, if it makes you feel like you need to do a time or a distance or anything and that's your driver, just take a wee step back and go, right, what does running do for me? And for me, it makes me feel awesome, like beyond awesome. I can't, I, can't descri- I can't describe what running does for me. You encapsulate one of the things I look for the most in terms of the change in the runners that I coach, and I love to see this in people. And that's going from caring so much what other people think as you did you know that that the likes and the kudos and the acknowledgement and recognition we all want that in life to a degree and shifting the focus making that transition to being proud of yourself you setting your own goal you achieving your goal or coming close to that goal and understanding what it took to do that and acknowledging yourself for what you did rather than what you didn't and I think that's amazing amazing to see Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure once again talking to you. It's always a pleasure. We must keep up to date with uh, how things are going with your training and what lofty goals you're going to set yourself next. Listen, we cannot let you go today without asking you one final question. Are you ready for this question? I am. Go for it. Good. Uh, this is very serious. I know I'm, I'm talking to you, the host of the podcast, talking to you beneath a duvet. This is a very serious question. <laughs> We ask all of our guests this question. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. What does the word motivation mean to you? Oh, my God. Can't drop that one on me. Um, Motivation. Passion. Self-fulfillment. Achievement. 
happiness. Wow. Love That's it. That's a good answer. Andy, it's been a pleasure. I could talk to you all day, but I've got to go. I can hear the pirates coming. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Running with Jake, the podcast. Pete, is this duvet absolutely necessary? It is necessary, Jake, because what you've got there is while you're not sat in a cupboard like you were sat in last week when you were freaking out, um, you have, however, got really, really high ceilings. Um, and that, I mean, that's like a really high ceiling whereby you're just very echoey. Basically, it's... It's like if you didn't have the duvet, it would sound like you were doing the show from the stage at the Albert Hall. First of all, all ceilings are high to me. (laughs) I have actually been leaving... You are a cute little man, it must be said. You are only cute. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I have been leaving my runners' voice messages, as I always do every week, using WhatsApp just to motivate them, give them feedback on their training, make some adjustments and things. And they all come back to me and say, can you please... Please just get some soft furnishings. Yes. Stop buying desks and hard furniture. Get some soft furnishings to absorb some of that sound because it it is proper just bouncing everywhere. But hey, look, it's new. It's new. You're clearly irritating your clients there, Jake, with your your WhatsApp echoey messages. So I think it's only fair that you do either get some uh, soft furnishings or just leave your messages whilst being under a duvet. It's... I think it's a fair thing. If that's the case, I guess it's only fair that I answer this week's hashtag AskJake from the comfort of the duvet. Today's question comes from Simon, who wants to know why it is unadvisable to run more than 20 miles when training for a marathon, which is, of course, 26.2 miles. Simon, great question. I would say that it isn't that you can't run further than 20 miles. Some runners will. Some runners will cover 22, 23 miles. But I think it does depend on the individual and their fitness level. Because remember, not all runners are at the same level. So it's going to take one runner much longer to run, let's say, 23 miles than it is a faster runner. So the risk of them getting injured is greater. And also you want to make sure that you can, it's not all about the long run. You want to make sure that you recovered enough, ready for the faster sessions in the week, maybe a medium long run, maybe some race pace work. So although the long run is a fundamental component of marathon training and preparation, it's not all about that. And it's about that risk reward how much do you want uh, to train and how much are you going to get back from that so pushing beyond 20 miles are you really going to going to get a huge return on your fitness and is that worth the risk of being out there longer more time on your feet and potentially injury so there's a few things just to balance out there just trust the process is what i would say to you remember training is an accumulative effect all those sessions that you do come together on the day of your marathon it's not just about the long run i hope that helps good luck in your upcoming event if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com pete we've known each other a long time right a uh, long time yes yeah, certainly i need to tell you something what? I need to share something with you. Why? Now, here... I had an experience this morning. Okay. So, normally, when I wake up, I get the coffee, I get the breakfast, everything's fine. Went to the bathroom, using the toilet as I always do, but I've got a weird toilet in the house. What do you mean you've got a weird toilet in the house? Well, I... I what? <laughs> what? I've got to tell you, I was, I, was sat, I was sat on the toilet. Right. And then I noticed, I noticed there was a button... You didn't wash your bottom, did it? It did. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. They have those in Japan! <laughs> Literally, 
I kid you not, there's a remote control, there's a button, it oscillates. I went straight into Tel Martina. She's only working four days a week, so she's at home today. I said, oh, I've got God. to tell you this, this is incredible. Have you experienced the 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 swanky toilet? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look at this control. And the control kind of slides neatly into the side of the toilet, so you don't really see it unless you're looking for it. I wasn't looking for it, but I found it. And you press the button right. that washes, you press the button that oscillates, so you get like a massage. Oh my there's another one that dries God. you. It actually dries you. You press a button, it dries your ass for you i mean what kind of toilet man is this that's dangerous i would imagine that sir that toilet needs a lot of servicing because what you've got there is you've got obviously water and you've got electricity for the dryer as well what you don't want to do is you don't want to get electrocuted on the toilet so it needs to be in good working order that does the thing is when you have a housewarming or when you have friends over to your new house they've never visited it's their first time you want to show them something don't you normally it <laughs> might be come and look at the kitchen you know where this is going right no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. As soon as you visit us in Winchester, Pete, you're straight on that toilet. <laughs> You've got to check it out. It is the best. In fact, we need to wrap up with this show because I think I need to go and just say hello again. Go on, just wrap it wrap up. It up. Wrap, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. This brings us to the end of the show. It is another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. If you don't come back next week, I will understand. We will be here. We will be delivering a show. But if you just think you've had enough of this nonsense, we will not be offended. Pete, we'll still record it anyway, right? Because we have fun. Of course we will, yeah. We'll record it, yeah. Cool. And your bottom will be clean. <laughs> that's it for now we're out of here have a great week of running catch you next week oh and one more thing you never know how strong you really are until being strong is the only choice you have you